Hello, listeners and fellow explorers. This is Living in the Sprawl's lovely and talented producer-slash-wife, Lisa Steinberg. I wanted to thank all of you for your continuous support of the show. As a new podcast on the scene, John and I self-support the logistics and research that go into the show. The number one way to support the show is to rate, review, and share this podcast with everyone you know. Many of you have been doing this, and it has helped immensely. I also invite you to check out our website and the show notes for other ways to support the show. We are currently working with companies we currently use ourselves to get discount codes for our listeners and support the show in the process. These companies include Every Table, Just CBD Store, Gold Belly, Cats Botanicals, and so much more. By using the links on our website, you are letting them know we sent you and in turn supporting the show. You can also support us on Patreon and Podfan. Please check out the website at livinginthesprawlpodcast.com for updates on companies we are working with, our testimonies, links, codes, and new Living in the Sprawl merchandise. Again, thank you to all of you, our lovely listeners, for tuning in every week and allowing us to do what we love. Without further ado, your humble correspondent, John Steinberg. Hello. And welcome to another installment of Living in the Sprawl, Southern California's most adventurous podcast. I am, as always, your humble correspondent and host. My name is John Steinberg, and I am joined by my lovely and immensely talented producer slash wife. Her name is Lisa Steinberg. We are the team here at Sprawl Enterprises ready to bring you yet another exciting foray into the vast, expansive terrain that we have lovingly deemed the sprawl. On today's program, we dive deeply into one of the more extraordinary lives to have ever taken place anywhere within the Southern California sprawl. That being the short, Fairly tragic life of Norma Jean Mortensen, also known as Marilyn Monroe. Sixty years on from the passing of Marilyn Monroe, the world still appears to be very much infatuated with Hollywood's eternal glamour queen. Recently produced documentaries that aired in France and on Netflix and also Andrew Dominic's adaptation of the fictional novel Blonde from Joyce Carol Oates demonstrate an eternal fascination with Marilyn. Other legends from the motion picture industry haven't endured on the level of Marilyn. Though Audrey Hepburn's ensemble from Breakfast at Tiffany's remains popular, Audrey's not Marilyn. Jean Harlow never rose to the level of popularity enjoyed by Miss Monroe. Stars from subsequent decades, Katherine Hepburn, Diane Keaton, Leslie Caron, Cher, Michelle Pfeiffer. None of these actresses left quite the impression that was made by one Marilyn Monroe. Her legacy has fascinated some of the brightest minds to have emerged from the 20th and now 21st century. Norman Mailer wrote a book about her, the aforementioned Joyce Carol Oates. The amount of biographies and unauthorized memoirs could conceivably merit their very own shelf at a library. There is no shortage of content on the star of Some Like It Hot. Though her legacy looms large, 
there are ways that any ordinary fan can connect to the star. Whether you're trying to trace her personal journey, connect in some way to the most grandiose star from Hollywood's first century, or you're simply curious to check out some of the places where the real-life beauty spent her time. We've compiled a list of 10 spots every fan of Marilyn Monroe should check out at some point. Before Zendaya, Selena Gomez, Naomi Osaka, who all coincidentally live within about five miles of where this podcast is being recorded, before Kim Kardashian could reign supreme, there had to be an archetypal figure like Marilyn Monroe to blaze trails and break down barriers. We adore Marilyn here at The Sprawl and dedicate this episode to all of her many, many fans. There was never anyone like her, and there probably never will be. Here now... We examine 10 spots you can visit in person to better understand the life, legacy, and lasting impact of Norma Jean slash Marilyn. At number 10, the Farallone Estate, aka the Sinatra Compound, the Glass Castle. It has a lot of names associated with it, the most common of which is the Farallone Estate. This is a home perched atop a gigantic hill in the San Fernando Valley, the Chatsworth section. The property is located at 9361 Farallone, though as I mentioned, it is located atop a hillside that has very little connection with the streets that surround the property. It was at the Farallone Estate, the Sinatra Compound, where Marilyn and President John Fitzgerald Kennedy had their first romantic rendezvous. This happened in the 1950s, before JFK became president, years before both concerned parties would leave this world in tragic ways. The property was initially constructed in the early 1950s for banking heiress Dora Hutchinson, her being the scion of the Chase Financial Institution, she got tired of the West Coast and rented the property to Old Blue Eyes. It was at this exclusive residence that one-time Sinatra pal JFK and one-time Sinatra lover Monroe would meet forging a relationship that would have a dramatic effect on the course of American history. This is a tough property to get to. It's easy to see from the hill below the home, but it is pretty secluded. No surprise given some of the events that took place on the premises. The house was also seen in the pseudo-classic Dreamgirls from the early aughts, and has appeared in other forms of media, like the remarkable program Mad Men. At number 10, on our quest to trace the journey of Marilyn Monroe in Southern California, it's the Farallone Estate. At number 9, the home in the city of Avalon on Catalina Island, where Marilyn, she wasn't Marilyn yet, so a young Norma Jean lived with first husband Jack Doherty, from 1943 to 1944. 
The house still exists. It's located at 310 Metropole Avenue in the city of Avalon. As we discussed on our Catalina episode, the Los Angeles County Island takes great pride in its association with Marilyn. Even though, as I mentioned, she was still Norma Jean at the time, Indeed, this was several years before she really made an impact in the entertainment industry. Norma Jean lived with Jack Doherty while he was stationed on Catalina Island preparing to go off and serve in the armed forces during the Second World War. As we discussed on that Catalina episode, and I'll mention it again here, she worked at the confectionery outlet Lloyd's, which is still in existence, and the couple resided at this modest property on Catalina. To get a sense of what life was like for Marilyn before she was Marilyn, not a girl, not really yet a woman, although she was married, it's the house at 310 Metropole Avenue in the city of Avalon. At number eight, visit the now iconic Forever Marilyn statue in Palm Springs. This 26-foot behemoth was constructed in 2011. It's had a couple of different homes since it was unveiled, one being Australia, which, I mean, imagine moving an object that weighs 3,400 pounds across continents. But the statue, which has been controversial in some corners, captures one of the most famous images associated with Marilyn, that of the skirt-raising publicity stunt done to promote the film The Seven-Year Itch. Again, 26 feet tall, 3,400 pounds, all in tribute to the most famous screen queen in cinematic history, Miss Marilyn Monroe. Number seven, a home located in the city of Hawthorne, the address 4201 West 134th Street. This was the first home that Norma Jean was to ever reside in, and it had a different address at the time. The first seven years of young Norma Jean Mortensen's life were spent at this small single-family home in the South Bay city of Hawthorne. It's interesting to read accounts of the region from the period. So we're talking 1926 through 1933 here, when Hawthorne was described as being remote and rural. The property today is less than two miles from the headquarters of SpaceX, Elon Musk's futuristic space travel center. Remarkably, the home still exists. You can go online, check out some pictures, and see it in person. Casual fans of Marilyn might assume that the actress was from the Midwest, the South, the East Coast, anywhere but Los Angeles. When you see this property, it might remind you reasonably of a home that you'd find in a Midwestern suburb. Hawthorne is maybe 15 miles from the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and yet it feels as though it were located across the country. To get a glimpse of where young Norma Jean Mortensen spent the first seven years of her life, 
It's the home located at 4201 West 134th Street in the city of Hawthorne. At number six, check out Maryland's star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame located at 6700 Hollywood Boulevard in front of a fairly dingy McDonald's. There's actually a petition online with a change.org account that's trying to get the star moved to a different location. It's difficult at the moment for fans of Maryland to take selfies in front of the star as this is an area traditionally occupied by panhandlers, sort of weird people that generally tend to matriculate up and down Hollywood Boulevard. Don't take my warning here as a sign that you shouldn't visit her star, but you should know what you're getting into before you sign up for something. Her star was laid on Hollywood Boulevard in the year of our Lord, 1960. And out of all 2,700 stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, this is one of the more notable entries. So maybe there is some merit behind the change.org petition to get the star moved. It's the Marilyn Monroe star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame at 6,700 Hollywood Boulevard. At number five, visit Maryland's grave at Westwood Park Memorial Cemetery. We briefly touched upon the Pierce Brothers Westwood Park Memorial Cemetery on an episode that came out over a year ago. So I'll remind our wonderful audience that this is a cemetery unlike really any other in greater Los Angeles. It exists between two, they're not skyscrapers, but larger buildings pretty close to UCLA and not all that far from the home where Marilyn actually passed away. Her grave is located adjacent to that of Playboy founder and impresario Hugh Hefner as Marilyn graced the cover of Playboy's first issue. And up until his passing, it's interesting and somewhat heartwarming to note that ex-husband Joe DiMaggio paid someone to leave flowers at Maryland's gravesite every single week. Paying tribute to the most underrated actor in American screen history, lay some flowers at the gravesite of Marilyn Monroe at the Westwood Memorial Park Cemetery. At number four, Check out the former Hollywood Studio Club on Lodi Avenue in Hollywood. The one-time dormitory-style residence was a place that Marilyn called home for about a year in 1948. Indeed, this was the impetus for the nude photographs that Marilyn posed for which would bring her no shortage of infamy during her lifetime. She stated that she agreed to pose in the nude in exchange for $50, which would go toward paying the rent for her apartment at the Hollywood Studio Club. The property still exists, though now it's kind of a battered women's shelter. It was constructed in the year of our Lord, 1926, with lead architect Julia Morgan, famous for designing Hearst Castle, at the helm. 
The project was envisioned as a safe location where aspiring actresses could reside, thereby avoiding some of the pitfalls which had befallen actresses of the era. The Hollywood Studio Club almost deserves its own episode. It was this unique backlash to the Fatty Arbuckle scandal where a young actress by the name of Virginia Rapp died mysteriously in the company of the comedic actor in the Bay Area. Folks had the impression that fresh-faced girls from the Midwest, the South, the East Coast, all over the United States, that these young women were coming by bus to Hollywood in search of stardom, but oftentimes the aspiring starlets would meet unfortunate ends or fall prey to some of the more unseemly elements residing in the underbelly of the entertainment industry. The studio club was something akin to a sorority. Ayn Rand resided at the property for a period. So did Barbara Eden from I Dream of Jeannie, Maureen O'Sullivan, Kim Novak from Vertigo, and the actress Donna Reed. If you want to see where Marilyn lived right before her star began to ascend, check out the former Hollywood Studio Club on Lodi Place in Hollywood. And number three, visit the famous handprints outside Grauman's Chinese Theater on Hollywood Boulevard. It's here that you can place your palms where a young Marilyn Monroe once placed hers in 1953 to help promote her ultra-successful film, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. There's also a portion of the area where Marilyn placed an imprint of an earring. She once sang that diamonds are a girl's best friend. What better way to double down on that maxim than to visit the spot where Marilyn decided to enshrine an earring from the set of Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. There are about 200 or so handprints located directly outside what's now known as the TCL Chinese Theater. Marilyn's handprints are arguably the most popular, but it's the earring that really stands out for its singularity. For only Marilyn Monroe could have made such a lasting impact with but a single specifically placed earring. Number three, visit the spot where Marilyn Monroe's handprints and an imprint of her earring from Gentlemen Prefer Blondes exist 70 years after they were first enshrined. And number two, stay at the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel at 7000 Hollywood Boulevard. We're getting pretty centralized here, folks, as this property... Maryland's favorite hotel in the greater Los Angeles area was a frequent resting spot for the actress over the course of her career. Actually, her ghost is said to haunt the hallways of the property. I've stayed at the Roosevelt, didn't observe anything, but that's not to say that the ghost isn't there on occasion. You can even stay in the room where Marilyn loved taking a break. It's Suite 229. And it's fascinating to note that a young Norma Jean Mortensen would relish trips to Grauman's Chinese Theater, 
which is located basically next door to the Roosevelt. And you can imagine her looking at the iconic movie theater from her suite at the Roosevelt. I'm not sure if it's appropriate to quote the Peggy Lee song, Is That All There Is? Or the classic from The Wizard of Oz, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. But however you choose to analyze Marilyn's fascination with the Roosevelt, it's undeniable that her brief life had a theme. She wanted to be a star, a big, bright, shining star. And that, indeed, is what she became. And number one, to pay tribute to the ultimate Hollywood movie star, you can drive past the home where Marilyn Monroe passed away on August 4th, 1962, at the age of 36. This being the property, the only house that she would ever own, located at 12,305 5th Helena Drive in the Brentwood section of Los Angeles. The house is just off San Vicente, and as is always the case when we talk about an address which is now a private residence, don't be a jerk. You can drive past the home, people do it every day, Don't be that person who stops and takes a whole bunch of pictures and makes a big fuss and makes it difficult for the person who actually resides at the home to lead a normal life. That person actually paid almost $6 million for the house, as an aside. When Marilyn was urged to put down some roots, she snapped up this home. She only was able to actually live at the residence for around six months But the home is fairly unchanged from 1962. If you've read Blonde by Joyce Carol Oates, you'll remember the ending of the novel occurring when a representative from the Kennedy family sneakily enters the property and administers a fatal shot to silence the screen queen. We have no idea if that's actually what happened. It seems like a pretty well-established theory. And whether Marilyn died of a barbiturate overdose, as her autopsy was to proclaim, whether she passed away as the result of a fatal shot administered on behalf of the Kennedy family, however it was that Marilyn was to meet her untimely demise, It did happen at the only home she would ever own in the Brentwood area of Los Angeles. Number one, drive past the house where Marilyn and her beautiful legacy left this earth for good on August 4th, 1962. That's going to do it for another episode of Living in the Sprawl. We'd like to thank everyone for their continued support of the program. It means the world to Lisa and I. If you'd like to express that support, a couple of easy ways to do that. Hop on Apple, iTunes, leave a five-star rating and a kind review. That stuff really helps us out on the business end. Follow us at our Instagram handle, which is Living in the Sprawl Podcast. If you'd like to write us an email with your thoughts, maybe some suggestions for topics that you'd like to hear discussed on forthcoming episodes of the show, pen us an email at livinginthesprawlpodcast at gmail.com. We'd like to draw your attention to our terrific website. It's on this website that you can snap up your copy of the Living in the Sprawl guide. 
It has all of the addresses, locations, things that have been mentioned over the life cycle of this podcast. Also on that phenomenal website, we sell merchandise. If it's Living in the Sprawl related and you'd like to get your hands on a copy of it, our website is the place to do it. Really sleek mugs, magnets. Seriously, if you can think of it and it's Living in the Sprawl related, get it on the website. And we'd also like to remind our wonderful listeners about our Patreon slash Apple subscriptions account. It's here that you can gain access to exclusive bonus content that doesn't exist on the normal feed. We've done episodes on the best barbecue in the sprawl, burgers, pizza, ice cream, fish markets, pancakes, a lot of very useful information that you can access by becoming a Patreon or Apple subscriptions member. And we do thank all of you for your support along those lines. On behalf of myself, I am, as always, your humble correspondent and host. My name is John Steinberg, and I am joined in life, love, and everything else by my enormously talented producer slash wife. Her name is Lisa Steinberg. We are the team here at Sprawl Enterprises, thanking you for joining us on yet another episode of Living in the Sprawl, Southern California's most adventurous podcast. We'll talk again very soon.